Poe, and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for August 7th. How is everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF 21 Sports. Fantasy football, sports betting, daily hot takes, everything on Twitter there. For sports betting on Instagram at ETOF 21 Sports underscore sports. For fantasy football and my five things from yesterday on Instagram at ETOF 21 Sports underscore fantasy. For horse racing, free horse racing picks at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. How is everyone doing today? Can we believe it's already August 7th? Can we believe we've already had a preseason game? And for those that saw, I am posting everything for free right now just because there's not going to be much volume until the beginning of college football. This is when I kind of slow down a little bit, do a little bit more research, a lot more research of games, situations, players, watch a lot of film, and just kind of study up. So the volume of plays is down. So everyone knows that's been with me for a while. The whole month of August is always free. It always is free. So I post stuff on Twitter and Instagram. For football, big shocker, 2-0 in NFL, 3-0 in CFL. Absolutely crushed it. Again, at the beginning of college football, that's when the membership starts. So if you're interested in a football membership, hit me up. You'll get everything that I personally bet, units, live bets, the whole nine yards. Great value for someone that has proven year after year that he is a winner. Now, in terms of my fantasy football draft guide, guys, I'm just going to let you know. My draft guide, 46 pages, 200 rankings of players, positional rankings, offensive line rankings, handcuff grid, and more importantly, a round-by-round strategy of how to draft. Because a lot of people, they just pick the best player. Well, what you don't want to do, and I get these questions all the time, RB35 or 36, you you don't want that. You want to be smart with the way you construct your team, and that's what I do. The process I use to construct a team, I give to you. And that's going to help you, put you in position to win a fantasy football championship. So pre-sale is over, it's live, it's on Google Docs. What happens if there's an injury like Carson Wentz? Boom, 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 boom. One in, change it all. Everyone has the link to the document. They can see it. This is the best value there is out there from someone that is a proven winner in daily and season-long fantasy. Not going to find anything else better out there. Now, in terms of today's show... Today's show is great. I'm going to talk a little bit about sports betting and everything that's going on right now and why you guys need to be careful. Then we're going to have Dylan, a.k.a. DC underscore sports guy from Instagram, come on. Him and I are going to talk uh, NBA, free agency. We're going to talk about the Lakers, talk about the Knicks, some top free agents still on the board. Then my boy Scotty, a.k.a. fantasy football wish list, is going to come on. Him and I are going to give our top five wide receiver rankings for season-long fantasy. And on top of that, we're going to give our bust, player we're going to fade, and our sleeper, player we're going to look to attack. And then the man, the myth, the legend, after a two-week break, is back. Brandon, a.k.a. Off the Post, Boston Sports, or Boston Boy 83, comes on, and him and I give our NASCAR bets for the Watkins Glen race. So we have a great show today. I hope you guys enjoy it. Now, the first thing we need to dive into is what's going on sports betting wise. Okay. This is what's going on. You guys are going to see a lot of people 
coming into the market. And you guys need to do your research, okay? I'm telling you, as someone that bets all year round, makes a great deal of money betting, and is a proven winner year after year, that there's a certain way to do stuff. And I can tell with the way people post stuff and how they bet if they know what's up and what's not up. So number one, when you see somebody touting a sports book that really has no reviews and the reviews they have are shoddy. Guys, I've said it a million times. I'm not going to associate my name with anything unless I would personally use it. I get DM messages all the fucking time from sports books asking me, hey, can you promote this? We would like you to back us. We would like you to be an ambassador. And one book did it last year about this time. And then it was kind of funny. You saw all these people just starting promoting it. And now no one does. So I wonder what happened. That kind of tells you what happened. These guys had big followings. Big followings. And they fell for it. So that, that tells you right there that those people that you trust to get intel for are just in it for the money. They could give two shits. Guys, I'm here to make myself money and make you money. And the fact they charge pennies on the dollar for my place shows you guys that. And the fact I answer questions day in, any day of the time of the day, shows you that. The fact I'm posting free plays right now shows you that. These guys are just taking money from some hack sports book so you guys can get scammed. Guys, if you see me promote a sports book, this is a sports book I'm personally using. That's the only way I could do it with a good conscience. I would never promote something unless I did it. Now, number two, you see these people coming out and it kind of piggybacks what I just said. One person, I won't say their name because I don't want to badmouth anyone. They just got hired by a certain network, podcast network, whatever. And they tweet out, I like this bet. Take this bet. Bucks minus six and a half with the boost on FanDuel plus 120. Now let's back up a little bit. Let's let's back up and understand the situation. So A, that game is how many weeks away? Five. You're tweeting out, take this five weeks away. Well, Eric, FanDuel offers cash out, non-contrary for it. FanDuel does not offer cash out on games that are boosted. You guys need to know that. So you cannot opt out of this bet. That's number one of, of this little part. The next part is, what's the number one rule of sports betting? You always play the number. Always play the number. The fact that this person is tweeting out, hey, take the minus six and a half, when there's clearly sixes available. I Every other book I have has the minus six available. And this person is tweeting out minus six, six and a half. What does that tell you? A, she didn't place the bet, or if she did, it was very little, and she has no idea what she's talking about, and she's just trying to get the money from FanDuel, because anytime you click on that, it's just going to redirect you to that. It doesn't, you, you just got to think, guys. It's You just got to step back, think, and assess the situation. Now, lastly, guys, I'm not going to lie. I put in hours into my camping. When I work out in the morning on the bike or on the treadmill, I have a game replay going. So I'm physically watching the game. And I have it where I can just go from play to play to play. And I take mental notes, take notes all the time. You can tell when you're talking to a capper or someone in totes if they watch the game or if they not watch the game. That is something you can always tell. 
And that's something you need to make sure that you understand. And also it kind of goes to fantasy. There's certain things in fantasy you can't get around. Understanding the system makes the player, not the player making the system. When it when someone starts talking about how good of a player they are and doesn't mention the system in fantasy when they're trying to sell you stuff, that's kind of a tell they don't really know what they're doing. Or someone that doesn't value offensive line. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Offensive line is the most important thing in fantasy football. Why? Push, time for the quarterback, all that, all that stuff. It's been proven. Look at the stats. When a quarterback has over three seconds to assess the field and look over the field, his stats are dramatically better. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. One of the worst. If I have them rated my worst offensive line in my, dra- in my draft guide. The worst by far. Not even close. And you're going to tell me a, a non-mobile Big Ben is going to be able to avoid the pass rush and generate some positive yards? What the fuck are you smoking, dude? Najee Harris is going to have a breakout season? He's not going to get any push. But then that's another thing that happens in fantasy. That as a fantasy player, people make associations. A perfect example of that is Trent Richardson comes out of Alabama, drafted third overall, complete bust. Derrick Henry, big bat from Alabama, comes out. Oh, think of Trent Richardson. He's going to suck in the NFL. He does well. Now, Nigel Harris comes out, big bat from Alabama. He'll do well. See how everyone just is copying and thinking there's no thought process. When did Derrick Henry have his breakout? When the Titans got... Roger Scalfell from the Rams. That's when Henry broke out. And that's why I don't understand how people don't understand how valuable offensive line is. So the end of this long rant is just take a step back and just think. And just, if you guys have any questions, if you guys want to know if someone's legit, hit me up. If you're not part of my team, which is fine. It's your money. If you don't want to be part of my team, that's fine. I'm not going to press you into it. But... If you have a question, if someone's legit or not, I'll be more than happy to help you. And my track record with daily fantasy, with season long, with sports betting, with horse racing, all the stuff shows my legit, guys. I'm here to help you make money, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's enough of my rant. Let's jump right into the show. So last week, Dylan came on. We talked a little NBA draft, talked about what we liked, what we didn't like. Dylan and I talked, he agreed to come back on, and we're going to talk a little NBA free agency. So let's welcome from Instagram, DC underscore sports guy, Dylan, to the show. Dylan, how you doing, my man? Good, how are you, Eric? Thanks for having me on again. Uh, anytime, man. You're more more than welcome, dude. I'm doing okay, man. Doing okay. Unfortunately, summer's winding to an end, and I am direct. It's always like hard because I know you and I are both big sports guys, and we got the NBA... Mm-hmm college football, football, all that stuff revving up, but I just feel like summer blew by, man. Like, it's it's already August right now, so it's kind of crazy. Um, so free agency was kind of interesting, man. We had a lot of stuff, you know, going on. We just got news that uh, Kawhi Leonard has re-signed with the Clippers. So let's start right there. What do you think of that Kawhi going to the Clippers and everything, staying put? I mean, I think it just makes too much sense. I mean, you saw that last year, you know, they, they kind of started to gel, and then unfortunately Kawhi got hurt. I think um, Paul George is coming more into his, into his own. Um, you saw uh, last season or this past season, he just played much better in the playoffs, and he felt a lot more confident. So I think it just made the most sense for him to stay there, and I think they should stay together long term. And also people are like, 
talking about him going to the Mavericks, him going to the Heat. Something important to remember, this dude lives in San Diego where he's from. And he mm-hmm. has a private helicopter that he flies to and from practice and to and from games. You know, there's no way that he was leaving the L.A. area. I mean, I could see him maybe going to the Lakers, but once the Lakers made all those signings, you know, I just it just didn't make, make sense for him to leave. You, because he's basically, that franchise will give him anything he wants, so why would he go someplace else? He already has his three rings, now he just to hang on the beach with his kids. I mean, it just... Just ultimately uh, makes sense for him. So yeah, and also um, I just think that uh, Kawhi just wants to be that one A type guy. Like if he went to, um, let's say he went to the Mavericks, him and Luca would kind of, it would kind of be a weird fit because like who's gonna be the guy that takes the final shot? Because they're both such great players, you know. I'll tell you the one thing I dislike about Luca is, and I'm seeing it, and it's kind of because my nephew likes sports and. He's in the sports, and, I mean, he's really young and everything, and he was playing a soccer game, and, like, he, he whined to the official, and I, I just happened to be catching the game, and I, I went up to him, I was like, dude, like, what's going on, man? Like, why'd you do that? He goes, oh, Luca, Luca talks to the officials after every after every foul. So, you know what I mean? Like, I just, you know you know what I mean? Like, and for me, I for, for me that, like, coaches kids and everything, I just... It's like, dude, man, just just play the game, dude. There's a time to argue and everything, but it's like every single time after every play, he whines. And that's the one thing that just aggravates the shit out of me. It's like, dude, just shut up and play the game, Luke, because you're so effing good. Um, yeah, I totally understand that because, like, also, if you complain to the ref a lot, you're not going to get them on your side. If anything, they'll call more fouls against you. You know, yeah. they'll look for something ticky-tack to get against you. It's just... Unless you're Devin Booker in that one game where he had like seven fouls and they like the refs against the Bucks were like refused to give him a six foul. It was it was like hilarious. Um now if he would have went to Miami, that see I don't think that would have been interesting. You know what I mean? That culture there is just completely it's just a different breed down there. Um would that how do you how do you think that would have played out? I think that would have been rough because I mean I think I think Jimmy would have been barking at Kawhi, you know, tell him to play more during the regular season. I think there there would have been um, some butting of heads down in Miami if Kawhi went there. And here's a funny Jimmy Butler story, and I don't know like if I've if I've told you this. I have I have a friend, a real close friend that you know, deep in NBA circles, and uh, he told me this story that when Butler went to the Heat, he went mm-hmm. up in a meeting with Spolstra and everything, and he was like, okay. I think we need to do this, this. He just starts rambling off stuff. Spolstra stops him mid-sentences, mid-sentence, and he goes, when you get one of these, he shows him his championship ring, He, then I will entertain your thoughts. <laughs> I mean, like, dude, like, that's pretty ballsy to say to an NBA player, let alone Jimmy Butler, who has a reputation as being a Mr. Tough guy. That is the power move of all power moves right there. And, like, what could Butler say? Because, I don't know, I'm not the biggest Jimmy Butler guy, but I'm sure one of us will have some heat signings on our on our top three that we're going to discuss. So how we're going to do this, guys, is we're going to talk about the three signings we liked, and then we're going to three we didn't. We're going to have a little Laker comp- conversation because, obviously, the news about the Westbrook trade and what they're doing, you know, that's the big talk in the NBA. Then we're going to talk about our top 
three free agents still remaining. So let's jump right into it. What is one of the three free agent signings that you liked? I'm going to go with one that's a bit of a wild card. I don't think any of these or most NBA fans know who this guy is, but it's Jock Landale signing with the Spurs. So Landale was a great college player during his senior season at St. Mary's, and then he went to the NBL where he averaged 16 points per game in his last season, and he really learned how to stretch the floor. He shot 39% from three, and it's pretty funny because um, Landell is actually playing for the Australian Olympic team, and Pop, uh, who's coaching the Spurs, is coaching the USA team. So while Pop is trying to, you know, study against these guys and play against these guys, you know, learn more about them, he's recruiting one of the Australian players to come play for him. So I thought that was pretty funny. And I think Landell could make a a big impact for the uh, Spurs right away. Yeah, the Spurs definitely need something. I mean, they're kind of in that la-la land. They're kind of in, I call it the Orlando Magic dead zone. You know what I mean? Like, not anywhere near winning a ship, but battling for that 7th and 8th seed every year, which is an awful place to be for a franchise, especially one with the history of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, one of them I liked is Jeff Green to the Nuggets. I mean, this guy just is a low-budget guy. He can come in. He can handle the ball. He can rebound. He can score. He'll play some defense, and he's physically tough, and everyone I've talked to with ties to the Nets told me that he was kind of the gel that was holding everything together in in Brooklyn, that he was the leader in the locker room that was keeping Durant and Harden when he was playing and Irvin when he was playing on point and everything. So I think just bringing that leadership to a young team like the Nuggets and when you're able to come off the bench and get like 10 to 15 points in playoff basketball, especially when they probably won't have Murray for the playoffs because God only knows how his knee is going to take to the ACL surgery. I think that's a sneaky little signing that's going to maybe help the Nuggets take that next step if they can get Murray healthy. Yeah, I really like that signing for the uh, Nuggets, and that was easily one of my favorite signings of all free agency. And and like you said, you know, Green's like a glue guy, you know. He's what you want in an NBA veteran. Like, this is what, you know, maybe not all the top, you know, high school recruits. I mean, even though he used to be a top high school recruit, but like, if you can make an impact like Green, you can shoot the ball, you got size, play both ends very hard, and rebound, you will find your place in the NBA and you will stick around for a long, long time. And that is, that's 100% true. I could not agree with you more. Um, what is another signing that uh, caught, your, caught your eye that you liked? Another one, um, you know, I'm not... I love a lot of the big signings, like, you know, where the guys get tons of money, but, like, I try to look for some of the under-the-radar signings, like the lock, like the Jock Lando one. Another one like that is the Sun signing JaVale McGee. We were talking about it um, a couple of episodes ago that, um, you know, Aiton looked like he was gassed at the end of the playoffs, and a guy like JaVale McGee could come in when Aiton needs a breather and hold down the fort. He, he's not going to give you the same type of production that, you know, DeAndre Aiden will, but he'll certainly um, hold his own, you know? And the big thing is, is he's won a championship. He knows what it's like to play the role that he's going to Phoenix to play. And as soon as Sardich went down, that they had no depth. They were relying on Frank Kaminsky, who wasn't even a rotational guy during the regular season. So 
I agree with you 100%. That's a great signing. It's going to take less pressure off Aiken because Aiken physically got his ass kicked. And the reason the Bucks won is because they rebounded and controlled the paint. I agree with you 100%. Speaking of the Bucks, one of the signings that I like, they got Bobby Portis back. Portis was on that $2 million contract. And like you said, he's understood what you said about Jeff Green. Play defense, shoot, rebound. It's kind of like he gets it and he understands it. So this is going to prolong his career. He came out the SEC player of the year, and he tried to be the man. That's not his role. His role is like sixth, seventh man, 20 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game, 12 to eight, eight to 12 points, get some rebounds, fill in when there's an injury. I mean, I, I love it. I'm, I'm actually rocking my Bobby Bobby t-shirt right now. I was lucky enough to get one. I think it's a home run signing for the Bucks and can help them at least try to make a run to repeat. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And as a Knicks fan, you know, I watched Bobby Portis play for the Knicks two years ago, and I thought, I was like, man, what is he doing here? Like, he, he actually looked really good, and I thought, you know, he could really help a contending team. Um, and I'm glad that he finally got a ring, you know. I think he's I think he's a really great player. He can shoot the ball, like you said. Good rebounder, gritty. He just, um, he's just everything you want in a winning player. And the thing was, is he finally accepted his role. And that's so tough for these guys to do. They come into the league as highly touted college players, and they're just expect to be the man. And they're dealing with the top 1.5% of basketball players in the world. You know, so sometimes, like, you have to just be that guy who doesn't start and just plays his role. And I think Portis accepting that, he's going to be in the league for at least 10 more years. He's going to be the modern-day Jeff, Jeff Green by the the end of it Mm -hmm. um who is somebody else your last signing that you really liked um like you said earlier we're going to touch on the lakers later but one signing that i loved for the lakers was signing malik monk monk came into the league as like you know one of these guys that we thought has that superstar potential but you know never really panned out but i think he kind of found his niche last season with the hornets that when a guy's out or when they need someone to step up, hit a couple of big baskets, Monk can be that guy. And he's also a, a, a great athlete. Like, this guy can jump out of the gym and dunk on guys. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I think he could end up playing a huge role for the Lakers. Kind of like that J.R. Smith role. Um, I just really love the signing for them. Yeah, and it's, I think the pressure is going to be off of him. I think he realizes, I'm going to go here. I'm going to be with LeBron. I'm going to learn how to win. And that's going to prolong my career because, let's face it, if this doesn't work out with Monk, he's out. He's he's out of the league. He's uh, who's that? Who's that left-handed player from the? Um, oh my God, he went to Kentucky, drafted by the Celtics. Now he's like overseas somewhere. Left left-handed shooting guard, and I'm totally spacing on his name. But this kid came in and he didn't know how to work hard, and he just got basically just got ran out of the league. He wasn't getting any minutes for the Celtics, and he basically just just got ran out of the league. Um, the, I want to say R.J. Hunter, maybe? It's, it's not R.J. Hunter. R.J. Hunter went to Georgia State. He made that shot when his dad fell off mm-hmm. and fell off the thing, fell off the, yeah. Um, the yeah, wheelchair. Oh, my God. That's going to drive me crazy. Who the fuck is that guy? So James Young. James Young is a guy. That's who I was thinking of. I mean, that guy's like overseas somewhere playing now just because he couldn't piece it together. 
And that's the point where Monk is right now in his career. He's got an opportunity, and he's going to have to seize the day. One of the signings, and I'll be honest, this this signing got zero publicity, and it kind of struck me as odd. And that is Otis Porter going to the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors' window right now is just so small. I mean, two, three years at most. You got uh, Curry's getting up there. Draymond Green's getting up there. And Clay Thompson, one of my favorite players, privilege of meeting him, nicest dude in the world. He's had not one, but now two major knee injuries. So God only knows what you're going to get from him. You got Porter that's going to be able to come in and take an absorbent amount of the scoring load off of those guys. This guy can score. He can fill it. This guy can fill it. He can make a jump shot, make a three, take the ball to the rim. And I just think those Wednesday night games in Orlando, those Thursday night games in Indianapolis, they're going to rely on Porter enough so that way there's not the regular season miles on Thompson, on Curry. And then if you need a bucket in the playoffs, he's able to make it. Like if you sag off him to help Curry, he can step into a three and at least shoot it with confidence and make it. So I think that's a real kind of under-the-radar signing that makes the Warriors a little bit better. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Porter's just going to be, you know, the guy who's going to catch all those corner threes and you'd be like, how is he open every time? Because everyone's going to be shifting their attention to a Steph Curry, a Clay Thompson. He's just going to be sitting in the corner, sitting on the wings, just knocking down three after three. This guy can really shoot the ball. And I really love how Golden State is rounding out the rest of this roster. And their depth is probably one of the best, if not the deepest teams in the league. And it's crazy because last year it was just awful. You know what I mean? They had no depth at all. And it kind of goes back. Like, I don't know if I told you this. But like, my dad, like, coolest dude in the world, but, it, you know, hard-nosed motherfucker. Like, he, his, his saying is always, winners win, man. Like, if you're a winner, you figure it out how to win, and you do it. And that's what the Golden State Warriors did. They, last year, because of the injury to Clay, was awful, no depth. Figuring out, got young pieces. And I don't know if you watched the Summer League game. Dude, Mooney and um, no. Mooney and the other kid they drafted, Kamora. Minga. No, uh, Kamora, the, 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 the kid um, from the G League. Yep. They, they look solid. Like, both those two looked solid as hell, and I could see those guys playing meaningful minutes. I mean, it just goes back to what the old man says. Winners figure it out, and winners win. Um, Now we have to, unfortunately, go to the ones we didn't like. Now, what is one of the free agent signings that you didn't like? Um, One of mine was the Spurs giving a decent amount of money to Zach Collins. Zach Collins can't stay healthy. The dude is just made out of glass, and I feel so bad for him because he showed a lot of promise coming out of um, Gonzaga, and I really think that um, he could have been something great, and maybe he could be something great, but to give this guy three years, I believe it was $22 million for a guy that, you know, just can't stay on the floor, I really think is um, a completely worthless signing. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I you hit the nail on the head. Could have been great, but he just kept on getting hurt. And if you can't stay healthy, you can't contribute. Maybe the Spurs medical staff can figure something out, but I wouldn't hold my breath because he's at his point of his career. He is what he is. If he can't stay healthy by this point in his career, that's going to be an issue moving forward. Um, I'm sorry to do this to you, man. 
Evan Evan four and eight to the Knicks. I mean oh, yeah, that's totally just understand. I totally that's, understand. that's just way too much money for him for what he's gonna be. Is he even gonna start? I don't even think he's even gonna start. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just I just don't know. And also, how does this affect our your boy R.J. Barrett? You know, because that's another wing player that R.J. Barrett's gonna be contribute competing with minutes. Plus, they brought back um, D. Rose. Plus, they got Emmanuel quickly. Um, so I just, I don't know. Like, the signing just doesn't make sense to me. I think they could have gone a couple different directions. Maybe there is a move that I don't know about coming up, like a trade possibly. But I'm yeah. just just not a fan of the signing. Yeah, and I don't blame you for that. I mean, I really did not like the signing at first before they got Kemba. But, like, because, you know... If Fournier is going to be your second leading scorer on your team or your third leading scorer on your team, that's a recipe for disaster. I'm just going to put it out there. And um, he is a good player. I mean, he's playing great in the Olympics right now. He can shoot the ball very well. He's a consistent high 30s to low 40% three-point shooter. It's just that, you know, we have so many scoring guards and guys that um, like a Burks, like a Rose, that that can um, shoot the ball at a pretty decent clip, but can also play make and handle the ball. So I feel like just getting the ball out of RJ's hands isn't a great idea. I mean, getting out of Randall's hands is a great idea, but I want to see RJ take that next step forward. And like you said, a guy like Fournier is going to be competing against him for touches and um, for shots every game, which I really don't like. So let's let's talk about the Knicks a little bit since we just kind of talked about him. I'm going to, since you're the Knicks guy, you go to the games and everything, you probably watch way more Knicks basketball than I do. I who, who Who's their starting point guard going to be next year? It has to be Kemba. I mean, if his knees hold up, or his knee holds up, it has to be Kemba. He's a much better ball distributor than I think Derrick Rose is at this point in his career. I think Rose is better served as an off-ball guard. Um, same with Quickly. I think Quickly is a really good shooter and um, a pretty decent scorer, so I would have him as an off-ball guard. I view I view Kemba and probably Miles McBride as the only two true point guards on this roster at this point. So I would expect Kemba to be the starting point guard. Alright, so so Kemba's the starting point. Who's the starting off guard? I would probably say um hmm. I'd probably say Fournier. I all would right, go with so. Fournier just because I think um you pay him all this big money, you really can't have him come off the bench at this point. I mean I could see them going out with um, Burks to be the starting two guard, two guard just because, you know, he's been with this roster for a longer period of time. I mean, it's only been one year, but one year is a big difference. So I could see him or Fournier being the starting two guard. All right, small forward. Definitely RJ. RJ is in the starting lineup without a doubt. Um, I'd really like to see him take that next step this upcoming season. Uh, power forward, Randall? Yeah, it has to be Randall. Now, when does Mitchell Robinson come back? I really don't know. It sounded like there were some rumblings that he could have been back for the Atlanta Hawks series, which I think would have been a stretch. Um, I think he'll probably be ready before the season starts. So would you put him as your starting five then? Yeah, I would. All right, so that's their starting lineup. So then off the bench, I mean, obviously D-Rose, six-man, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely he's the six-man. Either him or Quickly on most nights, he'll probably be the first guys off the bench. All right, so so put Quickly at seven, D-Rose at six. So who's the who? Who are the other two rotational guys? Who are the eight and nine then on the roster? Um, I'm gonna say Burks. 
right. and then maybe Obi Toppin. I think it ha- it probably should be Obi Toppin. But yeah, you got to get that with, kid. Um, tips. He likes his older guys, so he may go with Noel. I mean, he'll probably go with Noel. I mean, and, and, and they maybe got the tenth guy will be Toppin. He'll be the guy. And, on and the they got Noel. Level. They got Noel too. And don't they have? Oh my God! Did they re-sign Taj Gibson too? I believe they did. Yeah, they're very deep this year. Jesus, dude, they got like that. So like that's the thing. Like the one thing that everyone I know and I agree with them completely. Like when we talk about players making that next step is you have to play minutes and then step number two is you have to play meaningful minutes and for quickly and Toppin's development you know playing that playoff series against the Hawks was insane for their development and everything but now you're bringing in more pieces like that's gonna hurt their development just because you know they just they're not getting the minutes. Like, if you don't get the minutes, you're not going to take that next step. And I'm looking at this roster here. Like, Kemba, God only knows what you're going to get with his knees. You know, and he's proven when he was younger. I mean, first round of the playoffs is about as much as he can take, as as far as he can take a team. Fourier, I really think, should be a six man at this point of his career. Um, Randall, did he have? Is he good or did he just have a good year? We don't know. Mitchell Robinson yeah. with his injuries, you don't know what you're going to get. Barrett, is he going to take that next step, or like you know, is his are, are his touches going to go down? So you, this roster, like this, could either like work out really good, or this could just fucking blow up in in their face. And I really think Tobin needs to be getting some minutes just so he can take that next step. Him quickly and Barrett, they need to be getting those minutes so that way they can keep with their development. Um, so. You now? Did you mention one of the free agent signings that you didn't like? I'm sorry. Yeah, so I mentioned um, Zach Collins before, but yeah. I'll mention another one. And this is a former Nick, um, Reggie Bullock, going to the Mavericks. As a Knicks fan, Reggie Bullock is probably one of the streakiest shooters I've ever seen in my life. It's either this guy's going to hit three threes in a row, and he's going to force the other team to call a timeout and completely just get in the other team's head, or he can't hit the um, the broadside of a barn with any of his shots. It's it's really hit or miss with him. And I really didn't like they, the Mavericks signed him for 10 mil a year, which I think is insane. Um, I, yeah, I mean, like, and I get it. You want to, like, get shooters around Luka because everyone's going to sag off of him. But I'll be honest, like, my thing with Luka is this, is he needs to take that next step in terms of nourishing his body Let LeBron and Giannis took. Because those guys, I mean, dude, those guys are built like freight trains, and they rarely get hurt. I mean, we all thought Giannis tore his ACL. Two weeks later, he's dropping 50 in the NBA Finals. You know what I mean? You take care of your body. You do your diet the right way. You're going to take that next step, and that's what it's on Luka because homeboy's a little chucky right now. He's a little thick. Um, But I get the signing, but I think you're right. I think they way just overpaid for him. Um, My second one I'll, Sam Decker to the Raptors. You know, what the fuck is this? Rat, first of all, he like sent that controversial tweet over the summer about when all the protests and everything were going on. So the thing with the NBA locker room is it's so small. You get one little person in there that causes a rift, it could ripple through the whole locker room and there could there, there could be issues on the court. That's number one. Number two is, I'll be honest, I just don't think Sam Decker is that fucking good. 
I mean, I just don't think he's that good of a player. Playing in the Israeli league or overseas somewhere, like in the Turkey league, yeah, that's fine. That's his level. But being able to contribute meaningful NBA minutes, that's not him. He's not at that level at all. I just think that's a wasted pick. And it's tough to hate on the Raptors organization as much as I have been this offseason. But I really just don't like what the hell they're doing at all. Starting with Barnes and now you're signing Sam Decker. I'm just not a fan of what I'm seeing with them. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they really need to decide whether they're all in or they're all out. Because, I mean, you can't lose your top player in Kyle Lowry and just be like, yeah, we'll be fine, you know, we'll just stay in the middle. Because the middle in the NBA is definitely the worst spot to be in. And um, there have been rumors about them potentially trading Pascal Siakam, this, that, the other thing. I mean, they really just need to decide whether they're all in or all out. And I agree with you 100% on the Sam Decker signing. Why take a chance on a guy that could potentially destroy your locker room and your chemistry over a guy that's not really even that good? And he really wasn't that good when he played in the NBA. I mean, there's that, you know, that meme that always goes around about him, you know, dribbling the ball off of his face. I mean, it's it's just a complete disaster with that guy. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Now, what is one of your, um, what's your next one you didn't like? Um, The other one I didn't like is, I mean, there's two that I really don't like. I'll name one of them, and then I'll tell you which one I, or both of them, and then I'll tell you which one I think is worse. Um, one of them is the Lakers signing Trevor Ariza, and the other is the 76ers signing Andre Drummond. And I really do not like the Andre Drummond one. You, you, I don't, mean, you, don't, you don't like Magic Drummond, dude? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, Andre Drummond, I mean, the, the rift between him and Embiid uh, is getting a lot of attention. I mean, and he's just not going to give you um, what a Dwight Howard did, where he came in, you know, was, was physical and gritty. I mean, Andre Drummond's everything but that. He doesn't even know half the time where he is on defense. I mean, it's just a complete um, disaster with Andre Drummond. And to piggyback what you said, and I say this all the time, anytime I talk Andre Drummond, which unfortunately last basketball season was way too much, um, if he just sat down and watched what Clint Capella did and just said, look, this is what I need to do. Set a hard screen, roll, play defense, shot block, rebound. I'm making 10 to $15 million a year. I don't understand how to do that. I think I should have the ball in my hands. I think I should be the playmaker. I'm. This is like what? He's played for the Pistons, Cavs, Lakers, now the 76ers, and he's making pennies on the dollar from what he could be playing if he understood, hey, this is how I need to play. You know what I mean? It just doesn't it doesn't make sense. And that's kind of like my point with, with what I was making with Portis. This is a kid in Drummond that doesn't understand his role and he thinks he's bigger than he is in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of years ago, too, with Drummond, we really thought this guy could have been like a near-max contract type of player with the production he was putting up. But, you know, and it does, this again proves to, uh, goes to show that if you can't play defense, you're expendable. Exactly. You got to be able to check. And if you don't check, then then you're out. It's just it's just that simple. Um, So I actually have two more I don't like. I'll mention one of them. And this one may draw a little criticism, but I'll tell you why I don't like it. The Bulls signing DeRozan. And the reason I don't like it is because of how much they gave up in the sign and trade. 
I mean, they they sent to the Spurs Thaddeus Young, who I think was a a good player. Like you can run the you can run the high high post offense through him. He can still get fifteen points, give you twelve boards. This guy is going to be like a Boris Diaw type in the Popovich offense. Yeah, Thad Young can stretch the floor a little bit too. I mean, he can hit the mid range shots, and he's shown that he can stretch out even as far as to the three point line at times. And then you get a Fuka Murna. I can't even say the kid's name, but the athletic kid from Wake Forest. He's still a wing defender, and wing defenders are pivotal. I mean, this guy's going to be able to come in. He can supply that wing defense. And then on top of that, you get a first-round pick, which I don't believe is protected, and then two second-round picks. I mean, that's a haul for somebody that really, when you think about it, DeRozan's not really a modern-day NBA player because he can't shoot a three-pointer. That's a huge haul for him, for somebody that was going to leave anyway. Yeah, um, the one, I mean, I do like the DeRozan signing, and I agree that the signing trade was too much. Um, but yeah, it's a little much for a guy that, you know, like you said, can't really hit the three ball, but I think he provides so much more than that. Like, he's, he can really help you, um, run an offense. I know they just got Lonzo Ball, who's probably going to run the offense, but, but DeRozan's very good with the ball in his hands. Um, he can get to the basket. He's, and he shockingly averaged like 20 points a year without even having a three-point shot, which I find amazing. Oh, don't get me wrong. I like the signing, but it's just the fact they gave up so much. Because, like, you take it, like, if this Bulls team had Thaddeus Young on their team, I think mm-hmm. this team can battle the Pacers for that, like, and be in that fourth, fifth seed conversation. Like, right now with their roster as is, I have their ceiling as the sixth seed losing the first round. So I really think having a piece like Thaddeus Young and losing him is a huge blow. A huge blow to that team. Um, what is uh, the other signing that you didn't like? Um, another signing that I don't like is the Rockets signing Daniel Tice. I think it was like four years, somewhere in the mid to low $30 million range. Um, Daniel Tice, he's just a decent NBA player that can shoot threes but isn't a great real, great three-point uh, shooter. And they drafted Alperen Sengun, the uh, center from Turkey. They Not only did they draft him, they traded up to get him. So I feel like having Tice block his minutes um, isn't a great thing for Sengun moving forward. And it, it hurts because you have to get on the floor. Like, there's mm-hmm. everyone can talk about anything they want when it comes to developing NBA players. But from everyone I've talked to and my friends that have played in the association, you have to get on the fucking floor to take that next step. Um, I don't like Melo to the Lakers, man. I'm just going to say it. He's there because he's friends with um, friends with LeBron. I get it. But with the holes that that team has, and I mean, granted, I get it. They got him a penny on the pennies on the dollar. And maybe it's just my hatred because he did cheat on Lala, but I just I just hate that signing for the Lakers. And I think with what they need, they could have gotten a little bit, uh, someone a little bit better. Yeah, like he's going to be asked to shoot the ball, but I mean he's really a guy that you know he'll score in droughts. Like when he scores, he'll score twenty points. But when he doesn't score, he scores five to ten points. It's it's hit or miss with him, like I mentioned with um, Reggie Bullock. But he's obviously Mel is a much better player than Reggie Bullock. 
And Melo's not really going to give you that defensive effort that a guy like a um, maybe a Rudy Gay that you could have gotten could give you. And that's another thing. Like, you think about that. Like, Gay to the Jazz, I freaking love. I think that's a great signing for them. But um, back to the whole Melo thing. Can you believe that it could be a possibility that at one point during the season, they have Gasol at center, um, AD at power, Mello, James, and Westbrook. That that could be a, a five unit out there. Now, Gasol is old, can't move, okay? AD, yeah, he can check, one of the better defenders in the league. Mello, I mean, my old ass with bad knees and bad ankles, I could probably get 20 on him right now. James only gives defensive effort on the in the playoffs now. He rests during the regular season, which, okay, fine. Rightfully so. He's earned it. And Westbrook, who he competes like a dog, but defensively he's just not that good. I mean, if anyone out here is a betting man, which I am, I'm going to be playing a lot of Lakers overs to start the season just because I don't think the market's going to be set high enough. I really think this team's going to struggle defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, they're just so old. They have a really, really old roster. And then even at, like, the five spot, like a Gasol, a Howard, I mean, those those guys are just way past their prime. I mean, the only really guys under, what, 28 years old are Nunn, Horton Tucker, and Monk. And they're not going to see – I mean, I don't expect Nunn and Horton Tucker to be playing these huge minutes when it comes down to uh, – the playoffs. So, I mean, in the regular season, I can definitely see them uh, reaching a lot of the overs, like you said. Now, let's talk about the Lakers a little bit. Let's just talk about the Lakers since they did make the big, big moves by trading for Westbrook. And now they're kind of going all into it with a big three of Westbrook, uh, LeBron, and AD. They signed Wayne Ellington. And I kind of like that signing. I think that's a sneaky signing because that's kind of the player they need. Just that three-point shooter that's just going to be there and can hit an open corner three. He's not really going to demand the ball that much. He's a veteran. He'll give effort on the defensive end. I think that's a great signing. None, I think none realizes, hey, if I go here and I give anything, anything at all, this is going to boost my worth. And he's a he's the from Oakland, and I think this kid is hungry, and the effort he's gonna give, I like that. You already talked about Monk. I agree with you a hundred percent. They're they're building something. It's just it, I just don't know if that something will be able to win a championship. I just I don't know because could it make the finals? Yeah. But I'll be honest, I think the West is going to be significantly weaker than the East next year. Yeah, I agree. The, the East is so deep this year. I mean, we could rattle off a bunch of teams that, you know, could either, you know, be one of the top seeds or not even make the play in because of how um, deep this, this league is or conference is. Um, and like you said about the Lakers, I mean, and about Kendrick Nunn, I, actually, I really like Kendrick Nunn. It's just that... I don't know if he's going to see the floor all that much with Westbrook because that guy is just the energizer bunny with the way he plays. He's absolutely crazy when it comes to stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the Lakers, I really don't see them getting things together very early on. I think you'll start to see towards the playoffs in the back half of the year, um, they'll start to get things together. But I think it's going to take at least a year for them to jail because of just the complete overturn of the roster. 
And then plus also with the injuries that AD had and him missing the playoffs, I expect Vogel to be very conscientious about minute-wise for LeBron and for AD and really ration them during the regular season. So, I mean, who knows? They could be a five. They could be a six seed and have to go on the road to start the playoffs. So I just, I don't know. I really think there's a lot of a lot of questions. And I, is Westbrook gonna and LeBron going to accept playing with each other? That's another million-dollar question. Like, is, that, is, is he going to accept that? So... I don't know. It's going to be an interesting little season over in uh, L.A. Um, now, obviously, free agency is still going on. We're going to talk now about our top three free agents that we still have on the board. So, so let's start with you. Who's your uh, number three free agent still on the board? Um, Probably one of the most coveted players in free agency still left, I think, is... um. Larry Markinen from the Bulls. I mean, this guy is a, a really good shooter. And although he had to battle with some injuries, I think this guy, you know, isn't injury prone. I think he can stay healthy for longer than um, he has in the past. And I think he can be a really valuable asset to a team. It's just like um, what a trade package for him, a signing trade, could look like. Because a lot of these teams do not have the salary cap space to just sign him onto their roster. Yeah, I like marketing a lot. I'm actually going to talk about him a little bit later because he is on my list, guys. So I'll save my two cents for him a little bit later. My three is Paul Millsap. I mean, veteran dude. He's, you know, he's going to, he just is what he is. He's 38 years old. Don't start him. Come in. Give a little relief offensively. Plays 10 to 15 minutes and get you like 12 points. And plus just the leadership that he can bring to a young team that's that's looking to take that next step i honestly i think he would fit in great with the freaking bulls because that team has a bunch of guys that really don't know how to win zach levine has never had a winning season in the nba in his life which is blows my mind so you bring in Millsap, who's made a couple conference finals who's 38 years old who's been in the league i mean that's the type of guy the bulls need to get to get a little bit of leadership there um so i think he Another, he's not a home run signing like someone that's going to move the needle, but he's someone that can make a team better and not really play that much. Um, who's your number two still on the board? Um, my number two is the guy you just mentioned, uh, Paul Millsap. And the reason why I have Millsap ahead of um, Markinen is just because other teams you know, can afford Paul Millsap. A lot of these teams that um, are looking to add free agents do not have a lot of money. So they, they'd have to um, give up something to get marketing which is why I have him a little bit lower but like you mentioned a team like the Bulls that's gonna end up probably losing marketing could really use a guy like Millsap that you know can provide some depth at the four and five spot if he wants to play small ball five um they just the Bulls just really don't have a lot of depth so I think a guy like Millsap um could provide a lot of uh and good energy some shooting and um a bit of play at times yeah I think Millsap is going to make a young team very happy whenever they do end up signing to him. My number two is Dennis Schroeder. And I'll be honest, he, this this guy's an idiot. Like, he, him not signing that contract cost him money. And now, basically, what the Lakers did is he's out of a job right now. He's And like you said, a lot of these teams are financially strapped. And I don't know who's going to be able to physically be able to afford him right now. Maybe the Lakers can work out a sign-and-trade with somebody. But I just, I off the top of my head, I don't know 
where he can go for the money that he's demanding. And on top of that, he's at his best when he's a six-man, not a fucking starter. He mm-hmm. needs to be a six-man, not a starter. And I don't think he can accept that after what happened in L.A. Because when he went to L.A., the first thing he said is, oh, I'm here to start. He didn't say anything about coming off the bench and that word when he was at his best in Oklahoma City and Atlanta. So I don't know. I think Dennis Schroeder is the second one, but I obviously have issues with him. Yeah, and my number one guy is um, actually Dennis Schroeder. I think Schroeder um, is a lot is a much better player than I think people put him out to be and make him out to be because, like you said, he wants this big contract, but he's not getting it from anyone. And I think he until he realizes that, and until he realizes that, you know, he's not going to get as big of a role on a, a good team or a decent team that he thinks he will, I mean, he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, it's just, it's always a tough pill for athletes at this high of a level to swallow what they actually are. And Shooter's having a hard time. My number one is marketing. I really like this kid. I've liked this kid ever since his Arizona days. I think he yeah. can legitimately be somebody in the NBA but he's got to be in the right system. I was hoping that he would end up in San Antonio. I mean, I think this guy would just thrive in a system like Pops and just be a knockout player. But unfortunately, sign trade didn't happen. Maybe it will. Maybe he'll sign there later. But I really think marketing, and especially he's still young, dude. Like, he is a young yeah, dude. And we need to remember, people don't reach their mature, NBA maturity until they're 27, 28. 27, 28. This kid is still learning the game. Put him in the right system where it is all about player development. This kid is going to take off. So I would love to see him with, like, a San Antonio, Miami, but that's unrealistic. A Warriors, but that's unrealistic. Like, someone with a heavy player developmental system. So... Yeah, there's chatter around him potentially being linked to um, Charlotte, which, I mean, wouldn't fit under that category of, you know, great developmental um, teams. But I'd like to see him there just because I think he could get a ton of minutes. And I think um, he'd provide a ton of um, a ton of shooting for a team that, you know, doesn't have the most efficient shooters on their roster. And one guy I'd just like to add that I didn't have in my top three is, a, is another restricted free agent in Josh Hart. Hart's a solid player. He can play defense. He can handle the ball. He can shoot a little bit. I mean, his three-point percentage is a little bit spotty. But I think he can be a, a good contributor and come on the cheap for a, to a, um, for a very good team. So I really think he can be a guy to watch. And he could be a guy that signs a one-year deal and in the next offseason um, gets a much bigger deal because he'll prove his worth. I can't put Josh Hart on my list just because he said he didn't want to play for the Pistons. So I just any any anyone that sandbags Detroit is just on the shit list with me. So Josh Hart can you know just go wherever. But no, you're right. I mean, like he can defend. You know, shot has gotten better. He in the modern NBA, he's that type of player, and it's kind of shocking that you know someone like that hasn't gotten signed yet. You know, we're basically a week deep right now. And that, why hasn't that guy been signed yet? You know what I mean? It makes you kind of scratch your head. Is there something going on there? Or I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me. Um, yeah, it is it's strange. And also, I just saw something. He averaged eight rebounds a game last year. That's shocking to me for a guy that's only six foot five. That's crazy. That's big because what that allows you to do is 
he can crash, your center can crash, everyone else can get back on the offensive end, which is huge. I mean, there is a lot to like about Josh Hart, and I'm sure, like, immediately he goes somewhere and he elevates the team just what he can do. And he's a young player that accepts what he is in the league, which is really, really hard to uh, hard to, hard to do as a young player. Uh, Dylan, I want to thank you for coming on, talking NBA. You and I have started to talk a lot more in the last month. I've thoroughly enjoyed picking your brain about ideas, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on um, three times, man. I really appreciate it. And it's just been a pleasure, you know, coming on the podcast and talking sports with you. Yeah, man, we're definitely going to have to talk in the future, have you on again. Um, Do you have any posts or any content coming out that you want to let everyone know about that's going to be on your page? Um, Yeah, so in the next coming days, I'm probably going to go over more free agency stuff. Um, I've been doing some recaps that you guys can check out for every day for the last three days. Um, And now I'm just going to start talking about teams that I think won free agency and some of the stuff that we kind of talked about on this podcast. Awesome, guys. Definitely check that out. Dylan puts out great content day in and day out, so make sure you give him a follow. Dylan, thanks for coming on. You have a good weekend, and I look forward to talking to you again, my friend. Yeah, thanks so much again, and hope you have a great weekend. Guys, that was Dylan. Make sure you give him a follow. Guy knows his stuff. Very, very lucky to have him come on and break down the NBA, so make sure you give him a little support. Now we're going to go ahead, and we're going to shift our attention to fantasy football. So now we're going to welcome Scotty back on the show. We're going to continue our our fantasy outlook segment we've been doing today. We're going to be talking about wide receivers. Scotty, how are you doing, my friend? What's up? I'm happy you invited me back. Can you believe we're recording this on the 4th? Can you believe that we're going to be having football tomorrow? We're going to actually be having a game tomorrow? We got some Steelers in Dallas. I'm looking forward to it. 8 o'clock. Eastern time. I mean... But when, who? Because your team's the the football team, right? When when is their first game? The Washington football team. I think I believe they play on the twelfth. Okay, yeah, I don't even they know. On on. It's gonna it's gonna. All I know it's gonna be a long year in Detroit. So I, I mean, I'm not even really gonna be watching any of their preseason. But well, we got yeah, well, right, right. But it's preseason is always interesting, just because you can kind of see like how everything's doing, how everyone looks. And I really think, like, it's going to benefit a lot of the guys that were young that didn't have preseason games or OTAs last year. Do you think um, – what do you think about that? Oh, 100%. Um, you get more time in training camp. You get to deal with the coaches, um, how things work. Um, you're able, able to interact more, which is definitely more beneficial with teammates, coaches. And um, I think uh, it's – you're going to see that moving forward this season. Yeah, I mean, I think a team like it really hurt. I thought it really hurt Denver last year. But, you know, hey, we got a new year and everything. So let's uh, dive right into it. The first, um, like, just a reminder, everyone, what we're going to do is we're going to do our top five wide receivers. We're going to say why we like them. We're going to do our bus candidate and our boom candidate. Let's do it all. So let's hop right in. Let's go with who is your number five? All right, wide receiver number five. I'm actually going with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, You don't get more consistent than DeAndre Hopkins in the last three years. He's averaging 111 receptions, 1,300 yards. Um, He doesn't uh, boom the uh, TD stats with uh, double digits, but 
with the volume he gets, he gets about 150 targets a season. Um, I actually veered away from him last year because he was starting with a new team, and usually you you have a bit of a decline. But with the skill set he has, he's proven that was a bunch of bullshit. And um, you should expect the same type of numbers. His average, about 110 receptions, 1,300 yards with the extra game, and uh, close to 10 touchdowns. My number five, and like you and I talk about every single time, is money motivates people. And with that being said, I'm going with A-Rob. Allen Robinson, he's got to be pissed. He doesn't get paid, didn't get paid. They franchised him. Um, And looking at fantasy projection over the last two years, he has four games where he scored over 20 points in the game, which is insane. I think week four, they're going to make the switch to Justin Fields. And when they put Fields in there, that's just going to open up even more for Allen Robinson. I'm loving Allen Robinson as current ADP, so I am all in at him at number five. Who is your number four? My no- my number four is actually uh, Adam- Devontae Adams from the Packers. Um, with Aaron Rodgers coming back and basically with his interview speaking that he doesn't feel highly on the team, um, this is kind of a last dance for them. So uh, he's going to keep the ball at Devontae Adams probably is most people's number one. I have him as a number four. But um, Adams and Rodgers are just going to light the scoreboard up this year. My number four is Calvin Ridley. Uh, Julio Jones is gone, and he's going to be the one getting the targets. I definitely want a piece of this Falcons passing game just because I feel their defense is going to be so awful. They're going to be coming from behind a lot. Ridley's going to be seeing the majority of those targets. Will he be able to take the wear and tear and the bumps of being the number one compared to the number two for a full season instead of just a game here and there? Only time will tell. But with the volume of targets, I like I like Ridley a lot. So let's go with that. That's awesome. He's going to definitely get enough target shares. So I'm really high on him. Um, who is your number three? My number three is Tyree Kill. Um, when you have the number one quarterback in uh, uh, Mahomes, usually you're, you're, it's a safe bet. At the end of the season, they play the Raiders, Cowboys, and Bengals. So if you're headed into the playoffs, those are definitely great matchups. Um, Hill is definitely um, a weapon. He's half cheetah, half human. Um, so he usually gets open. If it's not Kelsey, it's Tyree Kill. My number three is DK Metcalf. I'm really excited to see like what this new offense is going to look like, and everything that I'm reading is saying this offense is going to be faster pace. That means more touches for Metcalf because they're going to be running more plays, and it's not going to be necessary the play action, the deep ball. This everything's going to be designed to get the ball out of Wilson's hand quick and get the receivers in space. So because of that, I'm loving DK, and the kid's just an athletic freak. You know what I mean? Like he is. Just a, he's a man among, among boys. And also, I really hope that something didn't happen because I really feel that at the beginning of the season when the Seahawks were kicking, Metcalf was getting the targets and there was a little hiccup when he wasn't getting the targets. And that's when the Seahawks started to struggle. So I think Wilson will realize that and Metcalf was in line for a huge season. Who's your number two? My number two, I'm going to follow you up with... Um... If you follow my Instagram, and uh, recently I joined TikTok, 
Uh, my number two is DK Metcalf. I think he is the next Calvin Johnson. Um, even in the games at the end of the year, I actually had a good follower of mine tell me, um, be careful when they stop the deep ball, DK Metcalf's stats dropped. Actually, he didn't score as many touchdowns, but he still averaged six receptions and eight targets a game at the end of the year. Um, DK Metcalf is uh, unblockable. He's fast. He's strong. Um, they even had him in a slot sometimes at the goal line. So he's either going against a nickel corner that he could just catch a ball over, or if a linebacker has moved to him, he, he could just use his speed on a slant to catch an easy touchdown. I think this is the breakout. Um, last year, no one's talking about that he had 80 catches for uh, 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, I think he's going to even surpass that and um, make himself a top three uh, wide receiver moving forward. My number two is DeAndre Hopkins. It's kind of crazy. Everyone is saying that he had a down year. He was wide receiver number four with 287.8 points in a PPR league. That is insane that that's considered a down year. Like most people would die for that year. Um, When I look at the Cardinals... I feel that their offensive line has gotten insanely better. They got Hudson from the Raiders, and that's just going to give Murray more time to just kind of sit back there and pick the defenses apart. And everything is showing, I mean, this is a rocket scientist, that the longer the quarterback has to read the defense, the more successful he will be. So I definitely like um, Hopkins. I think the OTAs and them working together are just going to – just make this connection between Murray and Hopkins take off. So I'm really high in Hopkins, and I have him at number two. Uh, who do you have at number one? I like that. I like to add to that real quick too. Yeah. I think it helps also with AJ Green coming. Um, he's going to get less double teamed, and um, he's one of the most skilled wide receivers in the league, DeAndre Hopkins. So I, I second what you just said. Now, who is your number one? My number one is actually Stefan Diggs. Um, I actually didn't even have Stefan Diggs in my top 10 last year. Um, I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm honest. Um, he changed teams, just like I said with DeAndre Hopkins. That scares me. But um, he went from being Batman and Robin with Thielen to the main guy in Buffalo. And I, I really look at relationships between quarterbacks and wide receivers. And the relationship between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs was incredible last year, not only because of the stats, um, the fight towards the Super Bowl. They're going to be a Super Bowl contender. And that envisioning um, Diggs staring at the Chiefs celebrating, being an athlete, I mean, I'm far from a professional athlete, but being an athlete, it, see, watching him stare at them celebrating, you know right on his mind that's what he wanted to do the next year. And I see nothing less than being in the top five. I actually have him in the number one position because I, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to fight for a Super Bowl contention. And if that's the case, Stefan Diggs needs to play big. My number one is Devontae Adams. And it's kind of piggybacking what you said earlier. Rodgers came in and he just completely ripped the organization and the roster. And he's only really going to be throwing it to people that he trusts. And I, Adams is the person he really trusts. I know a big thing was made about Randall Cobb coming in, but people forget Cobb and Rodgers didn't get along when Cobb was there. When Cobb left, Rodgers didn't fight for him at all. So I just I just think it's going to be the Devontae Adams show. I think he's just going to pepper him with targets. I mean, the million-dollar question is, can Devontae stay healthy for a full season? 
if he can, I think he's going to have historic numbers and he's going to easily be the wide receiver one. Um, now, who is your bust? My bust, I got the easy bust, and then I'm going to call for the bust um, I took some notes on. Um, the easy bust is I'm staying away from Michael Thomas. I understand he comes back in like week seven, week eight. Um, that Saints offense I'm avoiding altogether. Um, they're a complete mess. Um, but my bust this year is actually Julio Jones. Uh, Julio Jones, everybody's getting hyped up uh, going to NC Titans. But um, I compared on my TikTok, um, I mentioned also, I said the decade of 2000 to 2010, it was the Calvin Johnson era. 2010 to 2020, the Julio Jones era. It's 2021. Um, both wide receivers at the age of 30 had seven 1,000-yard seasons. That's Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones. Their age 31 season, Calvin Johnson retired, and Julio Jones caught 51 get, uh, receptions. Uh, it's a significant drop. I understand injuries happen, but people have to understand when a man that big is playing a position like that, Unfortunately, the body can't handle it, and this is when the wide receiver at that size starts going on a downhill spiral, and Calvin Johnson, I know it hurts you as a Lions fan, he left early, just as David Boston lost an old receiver, and young kids probably won't even know who David Boston is, but big receivers like that break down, and I think Julio Jones is not going to be getting the 1,000-yard seasons like people expect. And also something with Julio Jones, and I mean this story. I've learned about. I learned about the story last week, and it's just now starting to come out. Like I think the New York Post had something on it. Julio may be in some legal trouble. Did you see the story about him and Rodney White? They, I, I, I glanced at that. Yes, I was googling stuff, and it popped up. I didn't read the article though. Basically, they were went in business with a weed distributor in California, and they stole some of the weed and were selling it on the black market illegally and were laundering money. So, and it's like $3 million. This isn't chump change. So, I mean, this could, there be, could be a little legal ramifications for Julio. And I mean, I think he has to stop hanging out with Ricky Williams. (laughs) I mean, like, and plus he's like Mr. Soft tissue injury. Um, which is kind of, he always seems to be banged up, and I totally agree with you. I'm, he's a total avoid for me. I kind of compare the season he had to when the guy from the Oilers, what was his name, Andre Johnson? Yes, uh, uh, Texans, yes. Yeah, he went to the Oilers. Andre Johnson went yeah. from the Texans to the Oilers. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's that's the season I expect from him. Um, I'll give you two busts. My bust number one is... Jaden Waddle, the kid from Alabama. The rookie. The rookie. And this is why I don't like him. He is a field stretcher, and Tua doesn't have any arm strength. And Tua threw to the right side of the field 12% of the time last year. Just doesn't make any sense to me. I think he's, you know, going to be – I'm not saying he's going to be a bad pro, but with the guy throwing him the ball, I think it's going to be a struggle. My next bust, uh, Cooper Cup. Cup got his targets because of Jared Goff. Let's not let's not mix shit up. That's why I got his targets. Um, Matt Stafford's going to be there. He has no relationship with him, so you don't even know what you're going to get. There's too many liabilities there, but to think that Cup is going to have anywhere near what he's had the last two years when his boy Goff was just peppering him with targets is insanely unrealistic. Because of that, 
Cup is on my avoid list. Now, who are your boom players? Who are your players that are going to sleepers that are going to overachieve? So I'm going to mention a sleeper that I have that could possibly hop into the top five. And um, I have a late round bonus. Uh, my sleeper that could, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top five at season's end, is actually my boy Terry McLaurin. Um, he did uh, really well with Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and Tyler Heineke. Um, he, Odell Beckham was quoted as saying that uh, Terry McLaurin has um, better foot movement than 99% of the league, of course, except for him. Um and he makes things happen. He's having a great training camp. Um, and even though Curtis Samuel is not an all-pro wide receiver, he does take some attention away from Terry McLaurin. And Logan Thomas, stepping up last year, is going to give more openings for Terry McLaurin to uh, stand out even more than he did last year. And he was a top 10 last year. Okay. And you said you had one more besides Scary oh, Terry? sorry. My bonus is McCole Hardman from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he's very similar to Tyreek Hill, and um, I'm not saying he is Tyreek Hill, but he has the speed, he's small, and he's taking Sammy Watkins' spot in the offense. And I love Hardman, too. Like, every league I've drafted so far, I have him. And there was a big tell for how much Andy Reid likes Hardman. Yes. There... I, I was high on him last year because Andy Reid was speaking highly of him, and they were trying to put him in different packages, but uh, he's going to have more time playing. Playing time this time around. And there was this game. It was against the Titans uh, in the AFC Championship. Tyreek Hill was back there returning a punt. Chiefs were down big. Uh, Hill botched the pump, led to a fumble. The rest of their Super Bowl run, Mark, that year, Harden was back there returning punts instead of Tyreek Hill. And I really just think the trust factor is there. And I think he's just one big injury from just having like a boom season. So that's why I have him so that's why I'm having every team completely agree and, with you. And, oh. and I want to add to it. Tyreek Hill um, deals with a lot of nagging injuries every year. So you will have a, a game or two where Harmon will be the guy. I mean, you got Kelsey, of course, up the middle, but Harmon will be the guy where Tyreek Hill might have a hamstring pull, which he's dealing with right now. And um, you might have Hardman uh, slotted in as your wide receiver too during some games. I um, I love Hardman. I think he's going to be a great addition if he ever gets on the field. But like I said, he could be that guy I have all year on every single team. I'm every single team I have. But yeah, I don't play him. I mean, that's yeah. out. So um, my sleepers number one OBJ with the play action games. Kafanski he's going to have. There's going to be great weeks where he's just going to go insane. And plus, I think he was a little embarrassed with how he last year turned out. Uh, I just think he, from a week-to-week standpoint, I think he's a great play. Um, in terms of every every week, eh, I'm not that high in him. But there's going to be week-to-week plays where he's going to be good. And my next one is Mike Williams. We have to remember as fantasy football players, the system makes the player, not the player making the system. Joe Lombardi's coming over there. He's going to be running the Saints system. The first read in the Saints system is the X. What? Who plays the X? Not Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. That means Mike Williams is going to get every first look during Herbert's drop back. Now, I don't think that he's going to overtake Keenan Allen as wide receiver number one, but I definitely think we're going to see him be in the 80 reception category. And for someone, I think he's like going in the 7th to ten, ninth round. That's insane value. 
So, I mean, I really think Mike Williams is going to offer value toward the end of the draft. So, I agree. I think, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a great, great, great sleeper. So, I, I actually picked McCole Hardman and Mike Williams last year, thinking of what we're thinking this year. Unfortunately, Mike Williams uh, had some injuries last year, but I agree with you. And of course, I love Mike Williams because he's another. Uh, big guy and you know how much I love my big wide receivers. Yeah, I, I think Mike Williams is just going to ball out this year. I really think Anthony Lynn was holding back that um, that offense. So, Scotty, I'd like to thank you for coming on. We have You're going to be back next week when we're talking about the running back position. Why don't you give everyone your social media handles? You got it. You can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football Wishlist. Um, please give me a follow at TikTok. Uh, fantasy wish list and you can go check out my youtube and give me a little subscribe i'd really appreciate it thanks for having me eric anytime my friend we will talk next week i'd like to thank scotty for coming on and talking fantasy football breaking down the wide receiver position we'll be back next week with our last segment of fantasy football outlook when we talk about the running back position now it's been long overdue i've missed talking to him i know you guys have missed hearing him handing out winners, talking about NASCAR. Let's welcome Brandon to the show so we can preview Watkins Glen. All right, so without further ado, let's welcome Brandon to the show. Brandon, long time no talk. How you been doing, man? I'm now trying to get over my withdrawals and no NASCAR for two weeks. You caught me off guard last week when you said there was no race. I'm like, what are you talking about? They never take two weeks off. It, they it, took it and <laughs> had nothing to do. Dude, it was insanely weird. Like, it was Sunday afternoon. I'm like, where is it? And there was, like, nothing there. No NASCAR whatsoever. But, you know, we got a race. We're going to Watkins Glen, man. Your boy Chase, a heavy, heavy, heavy chalky. Plus 200? Are we serious with this? I mean, I get it. He's an insanely talented driver on road courses. But there's no way in hell you're playing the plus 200, are, are you? No, I'm not, and that, that's the thing that we've talked about before. As much as he's my boy and I want to say bet him, I will probably personally throw something little on him because that's what I've always done with my favorite driver, but the ROI on him is horrible. Um, he's been dominating road courses, so I, I get it Vegas-wise, but I've got a weird sneaky feeling that uh, Chase, or not Chase, uh, Truex is going to get redemption on Chase this week for the last Watkins Glen race. And uh, I definitely see see Truex being able to grab him. And you had told me earlier, Truex is at a nice, what number is it? Plus 600. Truex is actually someone I'm looking at, too. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I would eat that all day, guys. Um, I would eat that all day. I don't think you can steer away from that at plus 600 for a guy that usually runs right there with Chase. I believe he finished second behind Chase in the last Watkins Glen race, so... Yeah, I'd be heavy on him. Now, if you look at Truex, his last four road courses are second, second, first, and seventh. And it's important to remember in the in the race he finished seventh, he was running second, but on the last lap got spun out. And last time they were raced at Watkins Glen, he had the highest lap speed. So I love me some Martin Truex. I'm he's he's definitely on on my card. Probably a one and a half unit risk play for me um kyle larson you know he's sitting at plus 450 i'm gonna avoid kyle this week how do you feel about kyle 
that the same way. Um, yeah, he's he's going to be in the mix. He always is. So if it is somebody that you guys want to look for and you want to pull for and you just you, you got a gut feeling about him this week, definitely ride with that. But I don't. After two weeks off, nobody's carrying momentum. Um, Chase went in a couple weeks ago, not carry. There's no momentum carry. There's been two weeks off. Um, I think it's going to be interesting the first few laps. I think you're going to see a lot of guys taking it easy. Uh, just kind of get the feeling back in their hands, their arms, their mind, all that with no practice or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to jump on the, on the Larson wagon this week. The next one is uh, Kyle Bush, and it's kind of funny. Did you see all those videos he posted on social media, like partying and everything? I'm calling him a tool. Not not a fan. He's just I, I can't with him. He's all about himself, and they, they were funny. Don't get me wrong, but as a guy that's not a fan of him, I, I just I don't know. It, it's hard for me. They, they were comical, but it, they were just. They're comical but arrogant, if that makes sense. Oh, dude, I thought they were comical, but they're so douchey. I mean, it was so yeah. douchey. It was one of those things that was so douchey, it was funny. And that I, I it cracked me up. I won't be invested in them at this plus 750. Just can't, just can't do it at that low of a number. But this next driver I am going to be invested in, Denny Hamlin at plus 1,100. He's won at Watkins Den before. You know, this is obviously a situation where he needs to get a, a, a win. Hamlin at plus 1,100. Are you interested in that? Yes, absolutely. Um, he's another guy that's been in the mix. You, you, you can't steer away from him on a weekly. He's due for a win. He, he's been there. He's not a bad road course racer. Um, it's just for whatever reason, things haven't fallen the way they need to for him. But I, I do like him. I like him a lot. And you can see, last race was Almarola. Almarola has been shit on basically this whole year, but he stayed the course and he got himself a win. So if bad luck eventually turns, so Hamlin's definitely due for a, a run of good luck. And at plus eleven hundred with his history at road courses, I'm invested. Now, Christopher Bell, I know he's your mom. He he's your mom's favorite favorite racer and at plus 1500 i definitely like him second at Watkins Glen and xfinity and he won the daytona road course how do you feel about uh christopher bell i like him he was in the mix too at uh new hampshire just ran out of time as they didn't shorten the race because of rain by 10 laps i definitely think he uh he would have 100 percent been in the mix for that so um definitely like him at 15 to 1 he will once again be up up towards the front he's got a good starting position in the top 10 uh, so yes, my mom's gonna love me for saying this, and she'll probably listen. So yeah, put Christopher Bell on that list. I'm definitely invested in him. And now we're gonna shift our attention. We we're talking off air about Kurt Busch and lacking a ride. He's at twenty to one. First of all, he doesn't have a ride. Do you think he's even gonna get a ride next year? Uh, it's it's interesting. Um, we were talking about it off the air, like you said. I just don't know what car is going to be open for him to sit in. Um, you got Ross Chastain now. Um, for those of you that don't know, he's going to be running full-time for uh, Trackhouse, who is Daniel Suarez's solo team. So now they'll be producing two cars. Um, Matty D's out of a ride, which uh, I, I just I don't know where Kurt's going to have a seat. I think somebody has to find one for him because I, even if you're a startup team, you put a veteran like that in there. So, 
I hope he gets one because I like the guy. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But speaking of Ross Chastain, um, that's another guy that I think at 40 to 1 is uh, going to have a good chance because he's got to win to be able to get in. Now, I did, something, I did something different with Chastain. I actually took him at plus 125 to finish top 10. He's finished 7th or best, 7 or better, excuse me, in the last three row courses. At plus 125, top 10, I will lock him in all day. One of the riders I'm seeing who's getting a lot of internet slash Twitter love is Ryan Blaney at plus 2,500. How do you feel Did about you like Blaney? Did you like Sorry, guys. At plus what? At plus 2,500. Thank you. I mean, Blaney's absolutely been a a guy that's been in the mix. Once again, he hasn't been able to finish like he needs to. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can't ride with him. I mean, he might be getting a lot of talk, but... I don't. Nothing stands out to me that he's been doing. He's got decent consistency, but he doesn't really poke out at me as somebody that I'm going to look to go for. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm off the Blaney train this week too. He's way road course. No way. I'm not going to touch Blaney on a road course. How about one of the surprises this year, Alex Bowman at uh, twenty five to one? No, he's not a road course ringer. Um, not feeling it with him at all. Um, not like it. road courses are so different, guys. Unlike how mean you talk during ovals, and it's like, hey, this guy's at forty to one. Think he's got a good shot. A lot of these guys that are good on ovals just are not good at road courses. And Alex Bowman, I don't know his average finishes on a road course, but I'm I can't even plug at that either. Now, speaking of average finishes, average finish at Watkins Glen for Eric Jones is four and a half. Eric Jones is currently 150 to one. 150 to one for Eric Jones. Any interest rate right there for for Jones? Uh, Not really. Um, I'm looking up the starting lineup now. He's going to have to be near the front for me to even think. He is starting... Yeah, he's starting 22nd. Unless something drastic happens for him, that, that's going to be a hard fade. Now, you mentioned starting toward the front. Is there like a cutoff line that you'd look at where if you're not starting before position X, you're off my card? I mean... You're not supposed to do that, so I do want to start with that. You're not supposed to look at that. Personally, if you're outside the top 15 and you're not a road course ringer, I I, I can't help you because you got to be able to make moves. And if you're not one of those dominating road course guys, I, I, I can't do it. Now, you mentioned road course ringers, and I'm looking. There's no Austin Cedric. There's no uh, uh, Dinger in here. Like, I mean, am I missing somebody that could be considered a dark horse here to upset the field? Um, did you say Dinger is participating or he is not? Dinger is not on the list, and I'm looking at DraftKings, guys. Okay, keep an eye on that, guys, because if he does get into the race or does drive for somebody, that's somebody you're going to want to bet hard on. Um, what do you got Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at? 
Stenhouse Jr. is a robust 250 to 1. Okay. I'd still, I'd still stay away from that. I was wondering if Vegas was giving him any love at all or no. I mean, I'm looking here, basically a line that... I mean, what about your? You mentioned Matty D before, fifty to one. Do you have interest in him? I have interest in him, and this is solely not because he's a road course guy, not because he's got good equipment, not because of any of those reasons. He is on the bubble of getting into the playoffs. Ninety-nine percent chance that he's going to have to win one of these final races to get in. He does not have a ride next year. There's so many reasons for him to go out and get a win. So many reasons for him to do some crazy pitch strategy to try and get him out front and end in a rain delay. Like there's, they're going to be reaching at everything. So if there's a guy at fifty to one that can pull an upset like a Ross Chastain, I'm putting Matty D right in there because if that man doesn't win a race and doesn't end the season like he needs to and doesn't get into the playoffs. I don't see how he's going to have a ride next year. Yeah, so he's bracing for his future. So he's going to be trying some some crazy stuff. So I can definitely get invested in a little Matty D here for uh, this race, especially at this juicy price of 50 to 1. What about William Byron at uh, 20 to 1? That's not bad because the kid's been really good. He's been really good this entire year. Um, I can't even say he's not known for road courses, but he's young. He knows how to wield the thing, and he's been on high racing all week because I've seen him. I've seen him racing all week at Watkins Glen testing. So, if there's been anybody that's been able to take the simulator and move it to real life so far this year, it's 100 percent been him. All right, so you're doubt, you're you're a little interested in Willie B. At yeah, a little, little interested, twenty to one. A little innocent. Okay. Uh, what about Logano at 12 to 1? I don't like him here because I feel that you got to have some sort of, I don't want to call it aggressive driving because the kid does drive on edge, but I, I just don't think he's got what he needs this weekend to be able to, to be able to compete with these other guys. Now let's drive into some of these head-to-head matchups. I will say the head-to-head, you tell me who you think is going to win. And not everyone listening, these are the head-to-heads on DraftKings. William Byron and Kurt Busch. William Byron. Your oh, your two long shots, Matty D and Briscoe. Oh no, Matty D and Bris. No, Matty D and Briscoe. I'm sorry, you had um. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. we had Chastain. Hey, real quick, I'm gonna throw you off on this. What is uh Briscoe odds to win? Briscoe's odds to win. He is down there, my friend. He. He's at 50 to 1. He's right in the same line with Matty D. Oh, Briscoe's the better driver on road courses. I would normally take Briscoe on a daily basis. I am taking Matty D just due to the situation. Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch. Truex. Michael McDowell or Daniel Suarez? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going with Suarez only because they've had transmission issues the last two road course races that had made him shit the bed early. So I think that track house team is going to have everything in line where they need it to tomorrow. So Suarez or something. Uh, Bubba Newman. Literally the two worst drivers in all of it. Uh, Newman. I, I can't rely on Bubba for it at all. Uh, Busher, Almarillo. Busher. Because Almarillo has 
nothing now going into this race because he's already won. Harvick Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Blaney Bowman. I know I said Fade Blaney, but I'm taking Blaney over Bowman. Cluster Dillon. Dillon. Reddick Chastain. Chastain. Hamlin Logano. Hamlin. Okay, now let's look at the group winners here. Group A, Truex, Kyle, Denny, Logano. Truex. Group B, Byron, Kurt, Bowman, Blaney. Byron, Kurt, Bowman, Blaney. Byron. Now this could have value based on what you said on Ross Chastain. Group C, Harvick plus 220, Kozlowski plus 220, Reddick plus 320, Chastain plus 320. I'm going to go with Chastain in that. Group D, McDowell, Suarez, Busher, Almarello. Suarez. Group E, Cole Custer, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, or Ryan, Ryan Pence. Pens, sorry, Pins. I'm torn between Jones and Dillon, but since I took Dillon in a head-to-head, I would have to, if you take Dillon in the head-to-head, I'm definitely taking Jones in the group one. Bubba, Ricky, Newman, or Cor- or Corey LaJoy in a group bet? Ricky. Ricky all day in that. I, what's, what is Ricky? Ricky's plus 220 in that, so that's insanely Uh-oh. good odds. I mean, that that's I a like juicy that a one lot. I may have to lock in right now. So... Now, in terms of this walking Glens race, two questions. Number one, how how is this road course different than what a normal oval, oval track? Like, what is your strategy for DraftKings? So for DraftKings, I normally want to do position differential, like I've said to you guys from day one. This time it's definitely hard because if you are in the back you got to be able to pull some sort of strategy at the end of stage one or at the end of stage two to be able to leapfrog everybody. This place is hard to pass. There's only two, maybe three possible clean areas to be able to pass. Um, So my strategy is going to be, and I'll be able to give you guys hopefully the lineup sometime tomorrow. Maybe you can post it, but, um, my strategy is going to be try and go with at least one heavy hitter, like a Truex. If you can fit a Truex and a Chase in there, I think that's going to be huge. You don't have to focus on laps led as much because it's not a long race. Um, so instead of it being like Bristol with 500 laps and you getting a quarter of a point for every lap, there's not many laps at all. I think what I, I don't even know. It's like 70 to 90, I think, um, for total laps. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to try and grab a, like a Chastain or even a Matty D, somebody that's fighting their way into the playoffs, trying to get in. And then you're going to have to find a dark horse. You're going to have to find a LaJoy, a Newman, somebody that just stays out of trouble and somehow salvages the top 10. If you have one person out of your six in DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever you use, wreck in this race, you're not going to win any money. You're not. So, it's bit me in the ass the last two road courses. I've wanted Suarez, and he has had transmission issues on both races. Um, I'm going to try and go with that guy again, most likely. Don't hold me to it until you see the lineup. But my goal is going to be to get somebody like him in my lineup. But if you can, you're going to have to grab one or two heavy hitters 
and and still make the lineup work. Now, with everyone being off for the last two weeks, is there anything, like you said, people are going to be cautious to start out. Is there anything, like, in terms of live betting that people should be looking out for where if they see something going on, they should look to take someone live? Absolutely. So what you need to focus on, pit road closes with three laps to go in every stage. You're going to see guys come in with three to go to go ahead and get tires that aren't worried about stage points. That way, while these other guys are worried about stage points, when the stage ends, the other guys will be starting up front while all the front guys pit. Um, So when you are looking at live betting, if you see somebody right before the stage is over hit pit road, I'd see how much their odds shift and try and grab them before the start of the next stage. And I would focus mainly coming to the end of stage two rather than the end of stage one. Now, why is that? Because if a guy leapfrogs a bunch of people at the end of stage one and you have 10 other guys do it at the end of stage two, then your guy that you did for stage one is pointless because now he's back in the back again. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, guys, make sure you understand that. If you guys don't under, don't get that concept, you can message myself or Brandon, and we'll be easy, easily discuss that a little bit more with you. Also, if one of us takes it live, I will tweet it out and put it on my Instagram. Brandon takes something live, he'll do the same. He'll message me, and I'll put it out there for you guys. Brandon, I'm not gonna lie, man. You know, you and I have been talking. It seems since March. Um. It was a little weird not talking to you for the last two weeks, man. I missed you, dude. Yeah, no, it's 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 been crazy. Um, the lack of sports going on, COVID kind of ramping back up and everything like that. But NASCAR's back. Baseball's doing its thing. I was so pumped with the Sox recently. Then they really didn't do much at the trade deadline. And now they've lost the last six out of seven. So uh, I need my boys to turn it back on and not let Tampa run away with the division. I'm pissed off at the Celtics. Brad Stevens went into a role thinking that Danny Ainge was failing at, and he has done absolutely zero, not a zilch, while all these big-name basketball players are getting take, taken right off the market. I mean, yeah. they Did they do anything in free agency? I don't think – did they even sign anybody? No, we tried shopping Marcus Smart, which nobody went after, which now you're going to have an angry Marcus Smart playing for a team that he knew tried to shop him. Um I thought we were going to be able to grab Lillard. I think Lillard, I think, is going to – did he already go to Chicago? No, Lillard is still staying. He's in He's in Portland. Chicago got Lonzo Ball. I, I'll i be honest. I really don't see Lillard moving anywhere just because I don't think Chauncey would have taken the job unless he talked to Lillard first. Good point. Now, I will tell you this. One reason NBA is on the bottom of my list of sports – what the Lakers just did, and Mr. LeBron, let me piece my title team together again because I can't win one without doing it. Yes, everybody hate me for that. Go ahead and DM me and call me what you want. But LeBron is not the GOAT, will never be the GOAT, and I will go on a tangent about it. But I won't take up all your time. The whole Russell Westbrook now over there, like that is a stacked squad. How do you beat that basketball team? But they can't play defense, though. Like, you look at them, they can't play defense except for Anthony Davis, and they need guys to make their shots. I mean, at the end of the day, like, those who don't know, 
I'm a buck season ticket holder. You know, I was partying my ass off when they won it. And Connington made shots. Portis made shots. They had their roles players step up and made shots. Who do the Lakers have that can step up and make a shot? Because that, you know what I mean? Are you going to trust Wayne Ellington? There's a reason Wayne Ellington's been going from team to team. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's a great ad, but that's the guy you're going to be trusting. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but if you have a squad that consistently scores like they're going to be able to, not not a clutch shot, just be able to score, they may not play defense, but when they're up by 15 with four minutes to go, are they going to need a clutch shot? Oh, yeah, and it's kind of like what the Spurs did. Like the Spurs back in the day would just outscore you. That was their thing. They'd outscore you because they knew they could. And I really don't know. I mean, like the thing with the Lakers is they're old – they're going to have to rely on those young guys during the regular season. I could really see them tank the regular season, go in as the fifth seed, and then have to play like the four and the one. But the West isn't nearly as tough as the East anymore. So it's definitely. No, and be- I was so mind boggled. LeBron's tweet of keep running your mouth, keep calling this, our age, all this. It's like, LeBron, you were in Cleveland, couldn't get it done. You do go to Miami, which it's hard for me to criticize a power team because the Celtics were technically the first team to do it with Garnett, Pierce, and Allen. But he goes to Miami, wins his titles, then go, then pulls this whole front of, I'm going back home because I miss home. No, no, you don't miss home. You see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love there now. So you go back and win a title there. Kyrie leaves. Love is missing because he's constantly hurt. And it's, oh, well, I want to carry a legacy in L.A. for Kobe or whoever. And then you go to L.A., you once again piece a team. You couldn't get it done. And now instead of leaving and going somewhere else, you finagle Westbrook and a couple odds and ends to come in. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm a LeBron hater. I'll call it what it is. He's an amazing athlete, one of the best of all time, period. But I know you can't compare errors, and I know the Jordan-LeBron comparison, all of that. But Jordan did have Pippen and Rodman, but Jordan didn't have to drag people in in different cities multiple times to be able to go after a championship. And here's the thing. And that, to me, is the big difference. Here's the thing. Giannis, 26, won his first title before MJ, before LeBron did. And he's doing it in fucking Milwaukee, dude. You know, where, yeah. so I mean, I really think like Giannis, he's gonna have an opportunity to be talked about in that stage if he can get one, more, if he can get a couple more. You know what I mean? And correct. It's, and I, I'm, I, I just cut you off. My bad. I, I know I'm sitting here bashing LeBron for what he's doing, but can I hate on a guy trying at his age trying to piece a team together to get another title? I can't. Uh, Brady left New England to a stacked Tampa team and went got him a ring. So, I mean, a bunch of NFL players like Randy Moss and Darrell Revis, those guys came to New England at the end of their careers to get a ring. Like, Moss didn't get one, but he tried. But So, it yes, I'm knocking LeBron for what he's done or he's doing, but can I be mad at him for it? Probably not. I'm just a LeBron hater. I call it like it is. I don't like the yeah. guy. Hey, man, you know what? We all have people we like. We all have people we don't like. And, you know, that's the fun thing about sports because it's basically like your opinion and no one can change it. So 
props to you, man. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Look forward to messaging you over the weekend during the NASCAR race. You have a good weekend, and uh, let's cash some tickets this weekend, my friend. You as well. Good luck, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. NASCAR is back, baby. Let's go. Turn left and right this week. Thanks, Brandon, for coming on, guys. If you are not following Brandon, make sure you do Boston Boy 83 and Off the Post Boston Sports on Instagram. That's it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in. We got a loaded day of sports, like I said. UFC, horse racing, NASCAR tomorrow, Xfinity today, Truck Series today. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Let's drink some beer. And I'll talk to all you guys next week.